the tongue comes out. Just, just in front of that line. Look at this. The double clutch, the reach out. Is he going to get the touch? No, he's not. What's up, Raider Church? How we doing tonight? Man, it is fall, means fall clothes. Done with that heat. Of course, it's Texas, it's Lubbock. It could be 100 degrees this week, who knows? But, man, it's fall, feeling it great. Great to be here tonight. Hey, wanna do a quick plug uh, for Parents' Night this Friday. As Parker said, we're gonna be meeting this Friday. Whether your family's gonna be here in town or not, wanna invite you to come and join us. We're gonna be talking about the return of Jesus and the responses that we all have when we think about the, re the return of Jesus. Maybe some of us don't care, and maybe why we should care. We're gonna talk about why some of us that might frighten us and why maybe it should frighten us or it shouldn't frighten us. And then some of us are excited about the return of Jesus. And we'll talk about why we can really be excited. And so I wanna invite you to come uh, to Parrot's Night. We're gonna be talking about the return of Jesus and how we should respond and how we can feel in light of that. But tonight we're starting a brand new series called GOAT. Now let me ask you real quick, and you can just shout it out to me, okay? Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? Someone up here really just said LeBron James, and I just can't even handle that right now. Like I... So here's the thing. The greatest, everyone knows this, okay? Everyone, all right? Everyone knows the greatest basketball player of all time, okay? And, and here are the stats, okay, for the greatest basketball player of all time. Average 30 points a game, six rebounds a game, and five assists a game. Was a 14-time NBA All-Star, a six-time world champion, a six-time finals MVP, 11 times All-NBA, five times MVP of the league, and 10 times NBA scoring champ is none other than Michael Jordan, okay? So you, you can't, this is LeBron, no, no one else even holds a candle to Michael Jordan. And number two is Kobe, the Black Mamba, Bryant, okay? I don't wanna hear about LeBron James or Russell Westbrook or Steph Curry. Okay, they are like way, way, way down the list after Michael Jordan and the Black Mamba. Okay, so that's the greatest basketball player of all time. That's clear, okay, we all know that, it's clear. What we're gonna be talking about in this series is why is Jesus the greatest of all time? What are his stats? What is it about Jesus that makes him the greatest of all time? Who is Jesus? You know, a lot of people had questions about Jesus, even in his day, like that, that saw him and, and saw the things that he was doing. They were asking questions like, who is this guy? Where is he from? There were a lot of questions. Is this the Messiah or not? They saw him doing miraculous signs and, and wonders. And so it caused a lot of questions. Who is this guy? And so even at one point, Jesus looked at his disciples, his followers, and said, who do you guys think I am? I mean, they're saying I'm all, the, I'm all these different people and all these different names and, and, and they're claiming that, you know, I am, I'm, I'm somebody. And who, who do you say that I am though? And Peter steps up, one of his followers, and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so there is a lot in that statement. And so we're gonna be kind of looking at that and the meaning of what Peter meant this week 
and next week. What does it mean that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And who is he to you? Who is Jesus to you? Some of you are here and you believe and follow Jesus. Maybe some of you are here and you have no idea what to think about Jesus, what to think about this whole church thing. Someone invited you to come and and you're just kind of here checking this out. You're not too sure about church. Maybe you've hated church because of your previous experiences with church or with Christians. And I I don't blame you. A lot of us have had the same experiences and felt the same way. And so maybe you're here and you've got questions about Jesus. Man, this is a great series to be in as we talk about what the Bible says about Jesus and who Jesus is. And I hope in this series, you'll know and be confident at who Jesus is to you. Because you see, what you believe about Jesus and who Jesus is has great impact on your life and the way that we live this life. Many years ago, my son Levi, when he was two, three, four, even five, like as a boy it would do, he's running around the house, he trips, he falls, he hits his head on stuff, he hits his arms on stuff, he hits his feet on stuff, and he goes down and, and he starts crying. And so naturally, as parents, my wife Darby and I, what do we do when we see our son fall down to the ground and when he's crying? We run to him to, to pick him up. We, we want to help him, we want to care for him, we're concerned about him. So when we would begin to do that, my son Levi, when he would see us start coming to him, he would go, No! No! And he would, he would wave it. He would smack his hand at us like that, like, no! And we were like, oh, oh, oh okay. You know, so we kind of we back off. And we, if we're looking at him, he would, you know, he'd kind of give this, you know, so we would turn. And we would turn away from him so he wouldn't see us, like, looking at him or, or coming to help him. And so he would kind of sit there in his embarrassment for a little bit. He would cry. But he did not want our help, and he made it clear. And so after he kind of got over his little tantrum, his little moment, we would get to hold him and, and help him. And you know, every one of us tend to do the same thing in our relationship with God. When we mess up, when we fall, when we make a mistake, Instead of coming to God for help, our tendency is to run from God. We do that in the same with our weaknesses. We we don't want God's help. We do it with trials that we go through, with suffering that we go through. We'll run from God and from His help. We'll do that even in times of grief. We're grieving over the loss of someone or a relationship, and instead of running to God, sometimes even in our grief, we'll run from God. And the reason we do that, listen to me tonight, the reason we do that is because we misunderstand who Jesus is. We misunderstand what Jesus wants for us and the way that he sees us and our weaknesses and our failures and our times of grief. We misunderstand who Jesus is. And so that misunderstanding of who Jesus is and and who he wants to be for us causes us to run from him rather than run to him. We do the same thing in our relationship with God that my son would do to Darby and I. And the reason we do it is because of shame, embarrassment, Just like Levi, he was embarrassed that he was hurt. 
that he tripped, that he fell. And so instead of asking for help, he wanted us to go away. He didn't want us near to him. He didn't want us close to him. And the same is true for us. The shame that comes with our mistakes will cause us to run from God. The embarrassment that comes from our weakness will cause us to run from God. Our justification of our sin that comes from shame, we feel shame and so we have to do something with that shame. And so sometimes that will lead to justification like where it's not that big of a deal or it's not really wrong. Shame leads us to justification. We don't wanna deal with our sin and the way our sin or our mistakes or our failure makes us feel and so sometimes we'll justify it and act like it's not a big deal or like there's nothing really wrong with it in the first place. So shame and embarrassment lead us to run from, <coughs> excuse me, to run from Jesus. And you know, the very first people to experience shame were Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve in the garden had this perfect relationship with God. And God told them they could eat from any tree in the garden except this one tree. And they were tempted to sin and they ate of the tree. And the Bible says that immediately after they ate from the one tree that God told them not to eat from, immediately, right after their mistake, right after they screwed up, they experienced shame. And they realized, for the first time, they realized that they were naked. Now, I don't understand how that's possible, okay? If I'm a guy and I see for the very first time like a woman and she's, she's naked and God brings her to me, you know, whatever, I'm gonna be like, she's naked, okay? I, there's, nothing le- there's nothing to figure out there. So I've always, I've always wondered how it's possible that they didn't realize they were naked until this point. But anyways, the Bible says they eat of the tree, they experience shame, and all of a sudden they realize they're naked. And so what do they do? They go and find some leaves to cover themselves. And that's what we do oftentimes with our shame. We try to fix the situation ourselves. Well, have you ever seen the pictures of Adam and Eve in their leaves? Okay. They don't cover too much. All right. It wasn't that effective of a solution to their problem. Listen, we do the exact same thing. In our shame, we try to fix our own problems. And they're ineffective. And when we try to fix our own problems, we don't come to God when we run from God like Adam and Eve did. It just leads to more pain and more consequences. So God comes down in the garden and he's walking in the garden and he calls out for Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve hide because of their shame. God finds them and he asks them what's going on and in their shame, what's the very next thing they do? They start blaming someone else. Instead of owning their sin, they blame the next person. Adam blames Eve, Eve blames the serpent. Instead of owning their sin, they just shift the blame. But here's what's amazing about this story in the very beginning, the very first experience with shame is that when God comes down, he provides a covering for them. He provides a solution to their shame. He does it for them. They couldn't do it on their own. 
He came and provided it for them. And listen, God wants to do the same thing for you. When you mess up, when you screw up, when you're weak, when you're struggling, when you're grieving, God wants to help you. He wants to provide a way out. And I want you to see how he's done that for you. You got a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two will be there and then Hebrews chapter four. If you don't have a Bible, if it's not a translation you understand very well, we've got free Bibles, but you can also go on your phone to raiderchurch.com, select sermon notes, and you can follow along with us. The verses and everything will be there for you. So Hebrews chapter two, I want you to see why and how God provides this way out, this help for us in our time of need. Hebrews chapter two, watch this. The writer of Hebrews, starting in verse 14, says this, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, watch this, the son, Jesus, also became what? Flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way, watch this, could he set free all who have lived their lives as slave to the fear of dying. We also know that the son, Jesus, did not come to help angels. Who did he come to help? He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary, watch this, for him to be made in every respect like us. The son, Jesus, was made in every respect like you and like me. He was made like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, Jesus himself, as a man, went through suffering, testing, temptation, grieving, abandonment, trials. He himself has gone through suffering and testing. He's able to help us when we are being tested. So here's the first thing I want you to see in this passage tonight. Number one is this, is that Jesus is fully man. Jesus is fully man. You gotta catch that. Because what you believe about Jesus and who he is impacts your life and the way that you live your life and whether you go to Jesus when you mess up or whether you run from Jesus. The first thing you gotta understand is that Jesus is what's fully man. The writer of Hebrews says that as a man, Jesus was made in every way like us. He had the same feelings and emotions and temptations and testings and sufferings. He went through the same things that, that we did. And then he died, Hebrews says, then he died in our place to take away our sins. Breaking the curse of death that death had over us. You see, what you have to understand is the Bible says because of our sin, we've fallen short of God's standard to have a relationship with him, to go to heaven when we die. And not only that, the Bible says in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. That's what it says here in Hebrews 2, that Jesus broke the power of death. Through his death on the cross, taking away our sin, he broke the power that death had over us. You see, death, because of our sin, was our master. 
And through Jesus' death on the cross, he paid the fine that you and I owed for our sin, and he broke the power of death off of us. And so the Bible says when you put your faith and trust in Jesus' payment of your fine, the power of death is lifted off of you. And now you can experience life in Jesus' name. First John says it like this, those who have the son, who have Jesus, have life. Have abundant life, have eternal life, have joy and peace and a fulfillment like you've never known before. Those who have the son have life. Those who do not have the son do not have life. The power of curse, the power or curse of death still reigns over them because of their sin. And that death, that curse is eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And so Jesus, as a man, was made every way like us. He came and he died as a sacrifice. He died in our place to take away our sin so that the power of death could be lifted off of us. And if you're here tonight, you've never given your life to Jesus, you can trust in Jesus' payment of your fine tonight through his death on the cross. And just like I said in Hebrews 2, your sin will be taken away, past, present, and future. It will be taken away. You'll be forgiven. And you can experience this life in Jesus' name, full and abundant life. And so if you've never made that decision before, I want to challenge you. Commit your life to Christ tonight so that your sin can be taken away. Back in April, my wife Darby and I, we went to San Francisco and we were there and we stayed a little bit longer for her birthday. And so while we were there, one of the things we got to go and see was the Golden Gate Bridge. And you can see a picture of it here, it's in the background. Now this bridge at one point was thought to be impossible to build. Because of the expanse from San Francisco across the bay to Marin County, it was just, it was such a huge distance. They, they didn't think it was possible to build a bridge here because of the wind that's blowing right here. You can see my wife's hair, it's all over the place. Okay, the wind is blowing just wild right here. The depth of the water out in the middle of the bay, it's so deep. There's actually, there's a lot of seismic activity here around San Francisco. And so for all these reasons and others, they didn't think it was possible to build a bridge from San Francisco across the bay to Marion County on the other side. But in 1937, the Golden Gate Bridge was finished. Almost 9,000 feet across, 1.7 miles. That bridge connects San Francisco to Marin County. We got to drive across it. We went up north into the woods up here and saw the big, the huge redwood trees. It was amazing. But a chasm that was once thought impossible, a bridge that was once thought impossible, was made possible. And now you can drive 1.7 miles across this bridge from San Francisco to Marion County. I share that with you because there's a chasm between us and God, an impossible chasm, our sin, that separates us from God. But the great news of the gospel, the great news of grace, is that God came down in the form of a man, Jesus, and he was fully man. And since he was fully man, and as we'll talk about next week, he was also fully God, 
he was able to stand in that impossible gap as the bridge. And when you put your trust in Jesus, this chasm that separated us from God, that's impossible for us to reach on our own, Jesus comes and with his outstretched arms on the cross, he takes your hand and God's hand and he joins them together. First Timothy chapter two says it like this. There is one mediator between us and God. And it's the man, Christ Jesus. There's one mediator. In other words, there's one bridge between us and God. And it's Jesus through his outstretched arms. He becomes that bridge for you and me. And so Hebrews chapter two says, as our bridge, as our mediator, he's our high priest before God. And in case you don't know what a high priest is, that's referring to the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, the old sacrificial system that the Israelites had to go through in order to have a relationship with God. And what would happen was is there was this high priest that would represent man before God, that would represent the Israelites, the Hebrews, before God. The high priest would pray for the people. He would take their sacrifices and he would make those sacrifices in the Holy of Holies so that their sin would be forgiven. The high priest was their representative to God. The high priest defended the Hebrews, the the Israelites. He defended the Israelites before God. He was their representative. And in the new covenant, through Jesus, Hebrews says that Jesus is now our great high priest who stands in the gap, who prays for you, who intercedes for you, who represents you before God. In other words, watch this. This is the second thing you've got to understand. Jesus is for you. He's not against you. Jesus went through everything that we went through as a man, and he died. And the Bible says that when he died, he rose again three days later, and then he ascended to heaven about 40 days after that. And Ephesians 2 says that when he ascended to heaven, he went to the right hand of the Father and he became our eternal high priest where Jesus, watch this, he prays for you. He defends you. Like a lawyer, he's your advocate before God. Jesus isn't against you. He's not trying to hold you down. Jesus, as your high priest, is for you. He's your representative. He's your advocate. Jesus is for you. You know, just like a good father who's watching their child learn how to walk. When that child trips and stumbles, they don't walk over to their child and get in their face and yell at them and berate them. That's not what a father does. They're they're watching their child learn how to walk. And so when that child stumbles and and is trying to walk and goes down, what does the father do? What does the mother do? They come down to pick them up, to help them up, to encourage them to do it again, to take another step. That's who Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you. He's the perfect dad that when you trip and when you stumble, He's still for you. 
And he wants to help you up. And he wants to encourage you to take your next step. Watch this, Hebrews chapter four says this about Jesus. So then, since we have this great high priest that we just talked about, who's entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, watch what it says. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. We don't, we don't run from God. We don't run from Jesus. We don't run from, from other Christians or, or from the Bible. We don't run from those things. No, we can hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours, watch this, understands our weaknesses. Jesus understands you. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So, the writer of Hebrews says, so in light of all this, Jesus is fully man, Jesus is for you, Jesus is our high priest, so, watch this, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You see how what you believe about Jesus and who he is can impact the way that you live and how you respond when you mess up? How you respond when you're weak? How you could respond when you're grieving? You've got a merciful and faithful high priest in Jesus who understands you. He, listen, he understands your grief. You've been abandoned. Jesus understands your feeling of abandonment. You've had friends or a boyfriend or girlfriend stab you in the back. Jesus understands your betrayal. You've lost someone close to you. Jesus understands your grief. Are you stressed out right now? Are you anxious right now? about something. Jesus understands your anxiety. The Bible says in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was so overwhelmed at one point that he sweated drops of blood. Jesus understands your anxiety. He was made like us in every way. He went through all the same things we do. And so listen, we don't have to run from God when we mess up or when we are weak or when we're grieving or when we're going through a trial. We don't have to run from God. We can run to him. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God where you can find mercy, where you'll find help, where you'll find grace. Are you running from God right now? Have you messed up this semester, maybe since you've been at college? Is there something in your past that just continues to replay in your mind over and over and over again and you can't let it go and you, you keep going back to it? Is there a, a sin in your life that you continue to struggle with that causes you to stay distant from God? I just wanna encourage you tonight, you don't have to run from God anymore. You've got a savior who understands. He was tempted in every way, just like we were. He understands. And he wants to help. He wants to help you. So quit hiding, quit running and come boldly tonight 
to the throne of our gracious God where we can find mercy and help when we need it most. Several weeks ago, I was at Spanky's right across the street. No surprise there, I love Spanky's, many of you know that. And um, once again, having my uh, famous fried cheese, it was incredible, amazing. And I mean, I can down a large order of fried cheese like all by myself in like two minutes, okay? It's just, it's amazing. So I'm at Spanky's in eating Spanky's food. And so I have to do what normally follows eating Spanky's food. Like I have to go to the bathroom. So I, I go into the bathroom and all of a sudden I'm going to the bathroom. All of a sudden I hear this pounding on the door and I'm like, what is happening here? They're pounding on the door. And I'm like, uh, yes. And I hear this little girl's voice, my daughter, Nixon. Daddy, dad, I mean the restaurant's full of people. Daddy, pounding on the door. Daddy, I need your help. I'm like, uh, okay, like I'm talking through the door, right? Okay, I'll, you know, I'll be out in a second. Dad, I, I mean, everyone had to be like watching this scene unfold like in the middle of this restaurant. And so I open the door and I, I help her and we wash her hands and Everything's fine, everything's good. But listen, my, my daughter was incredibly comfortable walking up to that door, boldly pounding on that door and asking for help because she knew her dad was in there. And she knew and she believed that what she needed help with, her dad could help her with. And so she came boldly to the room, the throne room, okay? Like literally came to the throne room because she knew, she knew her dad could help her. You can come boldly, boldly to God tonight and find help and mercy and grace because he's able, he's able to help you. And so here's the reason why Jesus is the goat, the greatest of all time. I'd write this down if I were you, because Jesus was fully man. He understands me and can help me. Because Jesus was fully man, he understands me and can help me. This summer we went to Port Aransas to the beach and we got on this like pirate ship thing and there was this whole show and it took us out to the bay. And, um, and while they're doing this show, they invite the kids to come down and they do this kind of whole scene where they involve the kids and they play pranks on them and do all kinds of stuff with them. And so um, I'm down there with my daughter, Nixon, and, and she's like, they've given her this mop thing and they're mopping the floor of the ship, you know, or whatever. And so I'm down there, I'm kind of trying to help her do it. And she tells me, she goes, no, daddy, go away. And I'm like, okay. And so I, I turn around and I walk up the stairs on this ship to, to leave her because she, she didn't want me anywhere near her, okay? But as I'm walking up the stairs, I hear her yell, Daddy, where are you going? Uh, you just told me to go away, so I'm going away, okay? I mean, guys, 
surely you understand what I'm going through. I mean, girls are so confusing sometimes. And so they want you to go away, then they want you to come back. And you know, so, so I go away, but I hear her yell, Daddy, where are you going? And I turn around and this is the face I see. And it just melted me. She said, come back to me. If you've been running from God, would you come back to him tonight? Would you come back to your perfectly, perfect heavenly father who wants to help you? He wants to help you out of that sin. He wants to help you out of that struggle, that grief, that weakness, whatever it is. He wants to help. And so tonight, I, I wanna challenge you to do something if that's you. Maybe you've been running from God for one reason or another, whether it's because of you've messed up or, or you're feeling weak or you're going through a grieving time right now or you're anxious or whatever and, and you have not come to God for help. Maybe because of shame or embarrassment or arrogance and pride. Tonight, would you come to the throne of grace to find help and mercy? And so tonight, if that's you, I just wanna ask you to stand right where you're at and I wanna pray for you before we're done. So is that anybody in the room tonight? You'd say, I need God's grace, I need his help. To turn from something I'm struggling with, whether it's sin or a trial, suffering, abandonment, betrayal. Maybe you're grieving for the loss of a relationship and that's caused you to run from God. You say, you know what, tonight I, I wanna come back to God. I need his help. So if that's you, you continue to stand. And here's what I wanna invite you to do is just put your hands out like this and I'm gonna pray for you. And you're just putting your hands out saying, God, I need you, I need your help and I'm receiving that tonight. I'm receiving your help, I'm receiving your mercy. God, I pray for every person standing right now just with their hands up that you would bring that help and, and mercy to them right now. They're saying, God, I, I need you. Dad, I, I need you to come and help me and I believe that you're able. And would you come in power right now, God, supernaturally? Would you stretch out your hand and heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your servant, Jesus? Would you bring healing? Would you bring help, grace, and mercy right now in Jesus' name? Now, would you all stand up? We're gonna worship God tonight. We come to the throne of grace boldly tonight through our Savior, through our high priest, Jesus, because Jesus is for you and he wants to help you. We're gonna have prayer teams all over the room tonight. They've got glow sticks on. They're here to pray with you. Something's going on in your life right now. You're struggling right now. You're grieving right now. You need a fresh touch from God tonight. You, you've been running from God. Let one of our prayer team members pray for you tonight as we worship God over these next few songs. One of the stories I love the most in the Bible is after Peter has denied Jesus and Jesus is risen from the dead. Peter and the other disciples are out on this fishing boat and the Bible says it's a hundred yards away from the shore and Peter sees Jesus risen from the dead. But remember, Peter has denied Christ. He's messed up worse than he ever could have done before. And he sees Jesus and you would think 
that Peter would run, he would hide because he sees the one that he betrayed. But instead, the Bible says that Peter, a hundred yards out, jumps out of the boat and runs. He runs through the water and he comes to Jesus and Jesus, as a perfect father, puts his arm around Peter. And instead of berating him, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus asked him again and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Jesus, I love you. And then Jesus asks him a third time, like to get to the heart of the matter, Peter, I'm concerned about your heart. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I know that I love you. And so tonight, whatever's been going on, don't run from Jesus, run to Jesus and hear Jesus tonight saying, do you love me? Then run to me, then come to me and find mercy and help because you need it tonight.